Well, this morning we're going to uh, step away from the book of Samuel because uh, this is the last Sunday I'm going to be preaching for a while. Uh, next Sunday is going to be a really special Sunday. We're going to have my good friend Rick Wallace here from Envision Twin Cities, and he's going to be sharing about that ministry there. Remember, we talked, those of you who are here for Moving Forward Day, we talked a lot about that. We talked about how we can get involved in that ministry there, so... Uh, We've worked it out so Rick can be here next Sunday and share with us, and uh, it'll be a great opportunity to hear from him. A lot going on next Sunday. So, I felt like we were at a really good stopping point in Samuel, so we're going to come back to Samuel sometime in July. This morning, I want to talk about human nature a little bit. I want to talk about human nature and maybe uh, not all the good things about human nature, so to speak. And this may seem a little bit of an odd uh, passage, but I think this is a, a really encouraging in many ways passage for us. I'm going to ask you, if you will, turn to John chapter 15 with me. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 25 here. Now, I have to give you a little context this morning, because you have to see what John says before he says what we're going to look at today. So we're going to rewind a little bit, and um, this is uh, the ver the numbers are, are not correct up on top. I apologize for that. This is actually starting in verse 12 of the same chapter. And John says this He says, I command you to love each other in the same way that I love you. And here's how to measure it the greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. You are my friends if you obey me. I no longer call you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. Now you are my friends. Since I've told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. I command you to love each other. So now this is an important thing to understand, that Jesus has just gotten finished telling his disciples about love. You need to love each other. And he says, here's the greatest example of love. And, and then he says again at the end, I command you to love each other. Now, look at what he follows that up with. And there's an outline in the bulletin if you want to follow along this morning. And after talking about love, my first point this morning is hating the adversary. Look what it says, starting in verse 18. It says, when the world hates you, remember it hated me before it hated you. The world would love you if you belonged to it, but you don't. I chose you to come out of the world, and so it hates you. Really interesting. God has just gotten, or Jesus has just gotten finished talking about how we need to love each other as followers of Jesus. And then he says, and the world's going to hate you. Interesting. You see, friends, if we're friends with God, we will have to deal with hatred from the world. And to be friends with the world is to be God's enemy. Now, what I mean by friends with the world is to buy into all the things that the world is. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters, and he said God and money. But I think that also applies to the world as well. Look what James says in James chapter 4. He says this, don't you realize that friendship with this world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, that if your aim is to enjoy this world, you can't be a friend of God. 
What's he talking about? He's talking about priorities here. Where are our priorities? Are our priorities about this world or are our priorities about God? Jesus is telling his disciples and us to be prepared for the world's hatred. Now, the word, the, when uh, he says the world here, when John says the world, he doesn't mean this planet, okay? When he says the world, what he means is a system of organized society that is hostile to God. In other words, he means those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. Those who are lost. You see, friends, we may be surprised when we face hostility as a believer. But remember that Christ was hated from birth to the cross, wasn't he? Although he came motivated by love, he was hated by the world. And friends, it is human nature to hate those who are not like you. A basic reason why the world hates Christians is because of the great contrast between us and the world. You see, friends, we as believers in Jesus Christ have left the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of heaven. We have a different joy than they have because our joy is complete. We have a different purpose than they have because our purpose is completely fulfilling. I remember when the football player Deion Sanders had won the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know if you guys, if a lot of you who follow football know who he is. Deion Sanders said that night and the next day was the lowest points of his life. And you say, what? He just won the Super Bowl. His whole life he had been working towards this goal, and when he got here he said, this is it? This is it? This is what I've been building my whole life for. And he realized that it was just a passing thing, not a fulfilling thing. And awesomely, he found Jesus in, in all of that, or Jesus found him in all that. You see, friends, we have a different hope. Our hope is an eternal hope, not a hope that's temporary or from thing to thing. We know that our hope is in Jesus and that that cannot change. We also have an experience, a different love. Our love is unconditional. We know that the Lord loves us. As we looked at even last week in Samuel, right? That God gives us second chances. You see, friends, now we have certainty, truth, and a standard for life. We've been called out of the world by Christ, and we now belong to him. Since we no longer belong to the world, the world hates us. I have to tell you that I got saved when I was in college, and here's a beautiful picture of the campus at Bowling Green State University, in case you were wondering. But I got saved in college and I will tell you that some of my friends and my fraternity brothers didn't like me anymore. They didn't like me because I didn't have the same values as them all of a sudden. I didn't want to go out and party and drink and all those things like they did. And I didn't like to do other things that, that they felt were important about 
college, you know, and all of a sudden, Greg was, Greg had changed. I was different. I wasn't the same person. So some of them, they, they just didn't like me anymore. But it begs the question this morning, why so much hate? Because as you look at this world and you look at people, that sometimes people are so passionate about being against God that they, they work themselves into a lather. They're like, ah, I hate God so much. And they kind of look like that. Why so much hate? Well, look what Jesus says next. Look what he says. He says, do you remember what I told you? A servant is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. The people of the world will hate you because you belong to me, for they don't know God who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Ooh, that's a huge thing to say, isn't it? You have no, no excuse anymore. Jesus says that no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted Jesus, they're definitely going to persecute his followers as well, right? See, friends, the root cause of the world's hatred for his disciples and for us is our identification with Jesus Christ. They hate Jesus because they don't know him. They're ignorant of God, and they're ignorant of God's love for them. Jesus came to reveal God to man, did he not? And in the, man, in the process, man's sin revealed, was revealed to himself. Let me say that again. Jesus came to reveal God to man, but in the process, man's sin was revealed to himself. Jesus' life and his words rebuked sin and condemned it. Jesus uncovered the hypocrisy and corruption of men, which caused the world to react violently towards him. Now, man's sin becomes even greater because now they have rejected God in light of Christ. You see, man can no longer say that he didn't know. Jesus says that they rejected me. Man can no longer say that he didn't know and that he doesn't know. Man's selfishness and rebellion against God has been exposed. And ignorance is no longer an excuse. Look what he says next. And this is my next point. It's the idea of like son, like father. Anyone who hates me, Jesus is going to take it a step further. Anyone who hates me hates my father too. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them, no one else that no one else could do, they would not be counted guilty. But as it is, they saw that all, all that I did and yet hated both of us, me and my father. This is fulfilled what the scripture said. They hated me without cause. You see, friends, you have to understand that Jesus' works, all the things that Jesus did, left no doubt of his legitimacy as the Messiah. 
Jesus' miracles, Jesus' healings, all those things. Nicodemus uh, recognized this. Look what Nicodemus said to Jesus. He said, teacher, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are proof enough that God is with you. Their, Their rejection of Christ is without cause. When you hear people talking about how much they hate Jesus and how much they hate Christians, you sit there and say, you think to yourself, there's no logical process here for you. It's just, it's just hate. Why? Well, one of the reasons for that is because sin is just irrational. It is. It's irrational. Their hate of Jesus was without cause, so their hatred of us and his disciples are with, is without cause as well. So, a little tidbit. Don't take it personally. We'll come back to that in a little bit. Jesus quotes Psalm 69 here when he says this. He says, those who hate me without cause are more numerous than the hairs on my head. These enemies who seek to destroy me are doing so without cause. They attack me with lies, demanding that I give back what I didn't steal. That sounds like how they treated Jesus, doesn't it? Amazing. The irony is that those who claimed to champion the law were fulfilling the prophecy concerning the enemies of God's servant. Have you ever thought about that? If they would have been better students of Scripture and not just focused on the law, but maybe looked a little more at prophecy, they would have a better understanding and go, wait a minute, this Jesus is the guy. But they kind of were lost anyhow. They didn't have a chance because the prophecy had to be fulfilled, right? Wrap your head around that one this afternoon. All right, next thought is this. This is not cheery, is it? You're listening to me going, wow, Pastor, way to pick up my spirits today. But listen, it is encouraging, and I'll explain why here. It's not the most cheeriest of passages because it is human nature to hate those who are different from you. We see that all over, don't we? Ignorance breeds hatred. If you look at wars in history and the hatred of one country to another, because you don't understand other people sometimes. We see this often in wartime. Friends, we see the the world's hatred of Christians every day in our culture, don't we? We see it constantly in the news, and it seems to continue to get more and more prevalent. Look what Peter says on the subject. He says this, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if someone strange were, something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad because these trials will make you partners with Christ in his suffering. And afterward, you will have the wonderful joy of sharing his glory when it is displayed for all the world. Friends, take that passage right there and hold it to your heart. Take it and hold it to your heart because... That is one of the encouraging things in all of this. Yeah, we may face difficulties. We may suffer. I I feel like if we could put that in in the modern vernacular, Peter's giving us permission that when Christ returns, we can say, told you so. Right? I, I, I get that feeling. And I feel like that would be a justified, I told you so. I'm going to hang on to that one, I think. Again, it's human nature to hate those who are different from you. 
<coughs> excuse me. But remember this, friends. When people hate you, it is Christ that they're rejecting, not you. Just like Christ was, we are a reminder of man's sin. Understand that. When you are living a life that honors God, you are a reminder to people around you that their life is not fulfilling, that their joy is not complete, that their hope is not eternal, that the love that they have is not unconditional. They're reminded of all those things. So in some respects, it's human nature to be jealous, isn't it? Now, people may not verbalize it that way, but that's really what's going on in their hearts. You've got something grand that they don't. And it's human nature to hate you for it. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, and I think this really hits home all of this. Listen to this. He says, Our lives are a fragrance presented by Christ to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and those perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a fearful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. So to those who are coming to know Christ, it is a sweet aroma that is embraced. But to those who reject Christ, we have the smell of death and impending doom. I've heard people in the same conversation who do not follow Christ have said to me, in the same conversation, they've said, I don't care what you think to me. And then they say, how can you think that about me? Well, the point is, is that it really bugs people that the truth of God's word tells them that without Jesus, there is no hope. Without Jesus, there is no future. Without Jesus, there is no peace. We are the smell of death. That's a special kind of perfume that, or cologne that we wear, isn't it? That believers, we smell great. To non-believers, we reek. They can't stand to be around us. They're constantly reminded while they're, in, while they're near us of this impending doom. But here's the interesting thing. It is the nature of God to love your enemies. Think about that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you understand what that means? We were sinners. We were enemies of God. We were people that God could not have any relationship with because of our sin. Yet Christ died for us, even though that's where we were at. Look what it says in Matthew. This is what Jesus said. Because Jesus, before I read this, Jesus was motivated by love. He came because of love. He went to the cross because of love. Look what he says in Matthew 5. He says this. He says, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. Is that an easy thing to do? But it comes back to that idea of we can't take it personally, friends. Because it's not us they're rejecting. It's Jesus. 
Don't be surprised when, when you are facing hatred. But don't let it get you down either. Be encouraged. Because if that's happening, friends, you're doing something right. If people are associating you with Jesus, you're doing something right. Okay? John 15, 19, he said, The world would love you if you belonged to it, but you don't. I chose you to come out of the world, and so it hates you. So, when you're hated by the world because you're a follower of Jesus, be encouraged. I know that sounds strange, doesn't it? When people hate you, be happy. But no, love them. We were talking about something a few weeks ago in our Bible study, and we talked about this, that when you meet people who are lost, they are not your enemy, but they are prisoners of the enemy. And we need to love them. Because for each of us, someone loved us enough so that our eyes and hearts would be open to the truth of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Love your enemies and be encouraged, friends, and persevere for the glory of God. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that and the truth that we get to be associated with Jesus Christ and that we get to embrace him and that even if the world hates us, we recognize that they hate us because they hated you first. Help us to be encouraged. Help us to persevere. Give us strength and power through your Holy Spirit and teach us how to love our enemies. So as we leave today, may we leave in the love of Jesus Christ so that we may love our enemies and love those who hate us and that we may encourage one another and share the good news of the gospel. And all God's people said,